Okay, I'm here, I'm broadcasting, it's live. Awesome. Today I am talking about September 11th and homeschooling and funnily enough how those things all tie together for me. I am Briar Harvey and this is Ask Briar. Woohoo! Okay. I have been feeling a lot of questions in my inbox lately about homeschooling, why we do it, what it looks like for us, how other people can do it for themselves, and what they need to know especially right now with things being unstable and unpredictable. So it is September 11th, which is really where this story begins for me. 19 years ago, I had just given birth to my first child on September 8th, Tuesday. We got home on the 10th and we settled in as this very new little family to our very tiny little apartment and i was woken the morning of the 11th we lived in colorado at the time my mom called me and it was the year 2001 and I the phone had caller ID on it, which was like wildly novel at the time. That just seems so obvious to me now to pick up my phone and to screen it to see who is calling. But then it was still entirely novel to be able to pick up my phone and screen who is calling. So I picked up my phone and it was my mother and I immediately started yelling at her. Mother, I just gave birth two days ago. Could you please, I couldn't even count then, it was three days ago. Could you please call back at a civil hour? And she said, I think the world is ending. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, I think the world is ending. And my mother, not one to overreact in quite such a fashion, I was, I was like, okay, whatever. And I handed the phone to my husband and I'm like, mom says the world is ending. And at that point in time, this very tiny scrunched up little baby was waking up. And so I fed her and I handed her to my husband and I said, I would like to get some sleep now because it had been days since I had had any form of reasonable or decent quality sleep. I was in labor for like 70 hours. I was still exhausted. So I handed him the phone and he came back for the baby and he said that he sat there and watched the second tower fall 
while holding this brand new human being. I slept through it. He came in, woke me up, and he said, yeah, I actually think it's time for you to get up. And that trauma has been with me and I think with my daughter in some ways too since she was born. It's shaped her entire life, her entire existence. It's still shaping it now. And it is pivotal, I think, for a lot of us as who we are, who we want to be. We call it Patriot's Day. And I don't know about y'all, but I don't feel terribly patriotic right now. I'm not happy with my country. I'm not happy with the direction that it is going. I am afraid constantly for myself, for my children, for my country. And I'm not sure what that looks like as we go forward. I don't know what we do differently. But I know that for us, homeschooling has always been a part of that because it's been important for us to teach our children about the world that we've actually been seeing and been living in. So she's 19 now, 15 years ago when we were getting ready to put her into school, we were living in Phoenix, Arizona. And Phoenix, Arizona at the time, my daughter is autistic and Phoenix was at that time completely and totally segregated. All special education was in separate schools. And so we went and toured the facility and it felt like a prison and it kind of looked like a prison and it was 40 kids stuck in a classroom with one teacher and two paraprofessionals more than half of whom did not speak English and my daughter was nonverbal at the time. So the idea of sticking her in a public school with 40 other kids who didn't speak English, I just, I couldn't. It didn't work for me. There was nothing about that that felt like it was going to be what my daughter needed. It wasn't going to be an education. It wasn't going to be a state where she could thrive. It was going to be relegating her to a back room. And I felt, I, I just, I couldn't do it. And we couldn't afford private school at the time. So I was working as a baker very part-time and I quit my job and I started working on the internet it was 2006. Man, those were the days. No, the wild west of the internet. It was rating stuff for Google. And I was teaching my daughter on the side. She was nonverbal at six 
not potty trained. We were working on just trying to get her integrated, get her learning, get her communicating. And homeschooling 15 years ago was a pretty interesting state of affairs. It was wildly different than it is now. It was largely dominated by Christians and other religious groups, but mostly Christians who were teaching very fundamental education. It was based around Waldorf and Charlotte Mason. And there were these book lists that you would print off off the internet with books that were had been out of print for 50, 60 years sometimes. And these were the curricula that people were building for their children at this point in time. There were some prefabricated curricula. You could go to like curriculum fairs, which were a nightmare and find all of these very large families who put all of their children through more or less the same scope of education. And the information was lacking. It was creationism. It didn't teach science. It taught Christianity as history, and I'm fine with the bits and pieces that are, but I distrust any history book where the word of God is treated as fact and not just a piece of religion. To this day, I still own history curriculums where that is the case and the religion is indistinguishable from the history. I have spent years trying to piece together little pieces of this curriculum and that curriculum and something from the good stuff over here to build things that have worked for my daughter and then later my other kids. So they're nine and three. Um, the nine-year-old is ADHD, doing okay. He's reading, writing, doing math. We have some basic stuff for him. I'll talk about those things in a few minutes. But 15 years ago, I had absolutely none of those things. And it was incredibly difficult to figure out how to piece things together. And when I would talk to people about it, they did not understand. I would say, we are homeschooling. And I would hear, you're doing what now? And I would say, I am teaching my daughter at home. 
because I don't think she will learn well in public school. And they would say, can you do that? And I would say, yes, in fact, all I had to do was fill out a letter of intent and send it into the school district. And now they don't even care what happens to her, which in the state of Arizona was very much the case. I live in Nebraska now and the requirements here aren't that much different. I have to submit a letter of intent. I have to submit a book list and potentially hours of education, but no one checks and we don't have to test. It's not a requirement. We also don't have to maintain a portfolio, although I do. But because no one ever checks, your hours of education are whatever you decide to make of them. And that's true in a lot of states. For the states where hour tracking is a requirement, I hear from people that they count things like playing outside as PE and kitchen time as home economics and we really work within the boundaries of what it is that we're learning and doing and experiencing as education because that's actually important. When my daughter was that age and still not talking, we were doing all of these things as a way of getting her to name, to start to have conversations, to start talking about the things that she was experiencing. As we acquired those skills and she acquired language, and once she did, she fairly exploded into it. But it took her a long time. It took her a long time to learn how to write. It took her a long time to learn how to read. And it would not have happened on the timeline that we had been given for her. So it was a matter of figuring out specifically what she needed and how those things would work for her so that I could build that curriculum for her. We are, homeschooling has a lot of subcategories. We are technically unschoolers, but not really. We do child-led learning, which means I figure out very specifically what it is my kids want to learn about, and then I build everything out around those things. So for the nine-year-old that is technically fourth grade for him, it's actually about third grade instruction because of where he is developmentally. The things that he is choosing to learn are things like he wants to know about dinosaurs and he wants to know about ancient Greece this year and he wants to learn about plants. So I've taken those things and I've purchased I like um, Evan Moore curricula um, workbooks. I find those are my favorite because you can piece them together. I buy them specifically for the areas that we struggle because I don't think workbooks are actually the best way to teach much of anything. But they're good for reinforcement. So I use um, the, it's called Life of Fred 
It is my favorite math series. It is written as books and stories. And they read these stories about Fred and his stuff duck rubber duck I think Kingy is a rubber duck I don't know it's been a while I don't read them anymore life of Fred is a story and then they learn the math through the story so we also do a lot of TV in terms of documentaries we do podcasts um, tides of history and hardcore history in high school that was a big one for my daughter she loved that um the revolution series with mike duncan there are a tremendous amount of resources and if you base it around what your kids are actually interested in learning you can shove in all of the other related pieces so because my kids like stories, we've gone with math books that are based around stories. We use history to sandwich in the science pieces. We use science experiments to teach them practical mathematics because they don't want to learn it the way that I did in school with worksheets. When you're building around what your kid wants to learn, then we have a lot of options as to how they get the information, how to facilitate the process. My daughter has over the years done apprenticeship type things she works now with her dad she has also learned other things from other people because I am not always the best qualified to teach her especially when it has come to math over these years I can't figure out time zones I'm constantly in people's inboxes like time zones are my actual nemesis what time did we say we were meeting today and it's not working out so i'm not the right person to teach math as such we've also done cooperatives which have gotten significantly better over the years and if you live even in a minor metropolitan area omaha is not huge but there are co-ops here there are homeschooling groups even secular ones facebook is actually a great place to look for your local homeschooling groups and co-ops just put in your town name and homeschooling and see what pops up in the search you're going to find more than you think with other things we've done we have a zoo membership we have a membership to the children's museum we go to those places fairly often and they do educational programming as well that we've taken advantage of over the years the zoo does instructional days the children's museum does stuff during the week specifically for homeschooling families so these are kind of 
activities then, even now, that we can take the kids to, that they can get some exposure to other kids. It's that great big socialization myth about homeschooling that how will they make friends? Man, my kids have so many friends. My kids are constantly being assaulted by the neighbor children. We moved here where we live very specifically because it opens out onto an open courtyard. And I am surrounded by kids, families with children who like to play and that is all the socialization they need. When it comes to their education, we're building things around what they need and want to learn. And being able to cultivate a love of learning for us has been, man, it's so great. My 19-year-old voluntarily listens to history podcasts. We have conversations about politics at the dinner table. Remember, this is a girl who was not speaking English until she was six years old. But being able to educate her at home, being able to structure things for her around what she wanted to learn and experience and talk about has been fundamentally life-altering for her, for us, and for how we do things. So I've got about 10 minutes left for Feminism Fridays, which is a regular segment around here. First, I want to mention that it's been 182 days since Breonna Taylor was murdered in her home. The most recent information that I have as of yesterday is that we are apparently potentially ready to go to grand jury as soon as next week. So that is obviously something I am following very closely. I will keep you posted. And what I wanted to talk about then for the remaining few minutes here was specifically how I have shaped homeschooling to not be fifth shift for me as a woman. And by that, I mean, I still have a job. I don't take care of all of the household things. I don't do the majority of the child rearing. I gave up the beauty shift a fairly long time ago. But homeschooling is a lot of fucking work. So I wanted to talk about how I specifically addressed this with my husband and how we make it work cohesively as a team so that I am not doing the lion's share of the work. Because I am doing the majority of the actual educational components as in the day-to-day -day teaching and that varies wildly depending on which kid I'm teaching and how that works. This year, right now, we're not starting until next Monday. I normally start back in August. I wanted to give us some space this year. I wanted, I wanted the kids to have a summer and as much of one as they were going to get. So on Monday, we start back officially at approximately 10 a.m. Because when you homeschool, you can get up whenever the fuck you want. 
and we will all come together at the kitchen table and my daughter will go through because she's not quite done yet she has one more semester of we're finishing up some history stuff for her before we issue her her diploma so my daughter will start by doing her planner entry for the day i taught her bullet journaling before it was bullet journaling and she will figure out exactly what she needs to get done for the day so that she can manage her time for her in high school i'd say she averages five hours of instruction a day but there is a fair amount of that five hours that's spent staring off into space and doing the brain wander that neurodivergent people like us have to do so i guess three and a half maybe four hours of solid instruction is what she's got at this point in time in high school the nine-year-old we're going to average maybe an hour and a half to two hours and we'll be done by lunch the three-year-old will be joining at us at the table this year not because I particularly want him there but because he wants to be there and so he's got some workbooks that we'll go through and talk about colors and shapes and pictures and names and just doing that kind of basic pre-k education for the nine-year-old we will start he's getting about to the age where I teach starting to plan and implementing his day and then we'll work through generally two subjects a day so if we're learning ancient Greece perhaps right now I'll start him with a documentary and then we might do a couple of worksheets from a book that I have picked out and then he will read me a myth aloud and then that'll be it for the day and then the next day it might be math and he'll read aloud from the math book and then maybe we do a couple of worksheets to reinforce that and then maybe we bake some cupcakes these are the kinds of things that we build the educational processes around and I tend to keep it light and loose man it's supposed to be fun learning should always be fun and I want it to be fun because that's what keeps them coming back day after day year after year that's how I get them to stay so incorporating my husband then has been largely about getting the works workbooks checked if there is I don't do that I sit there with them and manage the work and then he goes through the books when he gets home and then does any corrections or that kind of instructional stuff this has been great for both he and I he gets to feel like he's involved in what's going on with the kids education I get to be done for the day he also helps me decide on curriculum he is at this point in time largely responsible for the 19 year olds curriculum entirely because it's well out of my range of things that I am willing to devote time to studying 
to create curricula for. So he's the one figuring out what podcasts we're listening to, what movies we're watching, how we're fitting all of that together, what essays she has to write, etc., etc., etc. Finally, I have largely handed over physical education and health instruction to him, especially for the boys. Those are conversations that he gets to have while he's beating them up and teaching them martial arts or hitting them with sticks and calling it arms instruction. Like those are the kinds of ways that I've built in him so that Again, I'm not doing all of the work, and so that he gets to be a part of the process. At the end of the day, he is largely responsible for making sure the kids get everything cleaned up and put away so that when we come down in the morning, it doesn't look like the house has exploded. Overall, it's a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. But ultimately, I have been able to roughly institute a practice over the last five or so years is where I've gotten this to, where we do school from 10 to noon, and then we eat lunch, and then the kids have free time for electronics and TV and music and I get actual work done. This is also typically where I build in this time, time for lives, time for client calls, those kinds of things, activities, the fun stuff, right? One of the things that I have had to do over the years is get someone in who can help, who is not necessarily my husband, especially if he is working all day. For this, I highly recommend other homeschooling families with teenagers. And this is where you need to build out your community and be aware of who's got older kids because a mother's helper is definitely a thing in larger families and we can hire a 13 or 14 year old who home who is homeschooled to come over and be with the children for two to three days a week so that you have the ability to get other things done one of the things that I have learned about homeschooling is that while it is definitely a benefit for my children and it is a benefit for us as a family unit, it does take time and it's a big chunk of my time. So I have to manage that time that much closer. And we're talking a lot about privilege here when we get into the ability to hire someone to come in and help. But hiring a teenager is relatively cheap two days a week and it allows you to get out of the house if you would like or do chores while someone is watching the kids. You really have to build in those kinds of structures as well. Even right now, especially right now because we're all trying to do it all by ourselves all of the time. COVID has made it 
blatantly obvious how much women are being relied on to do the lion's share of the familial labor. So whatever ways that you can build in assistance, whether that's through your family or through paying someone to help you, those are the things that you should do. And that is what I have for y'all today. Thank you so much for being here and for joining me. You can find me on my website at briarharvey.com. If you have benefited from this lovely lesson on homeschooling, feel free to buy me some tacos since I can't still can't go out and buy tacos with anyone else. I'm eating sad tacos at home. Buy me sad tacos at home. I'm, I'm here for sad tacos. That's Kofi.com slash Briar. And I will talk to you all next Tuesday. Looking forward to it. Bye.